Hey there, and welcome to the Just Keep Blogging podcast. I'm Kim Anderson from KimAndersonConsulting.com, and I'm here to give you a regular dose of blogging adrenaline. going to be a little bit different than ones I've done in the past. And this one is actually geared towards um, some of the people in my community who I know struggle regularly with migraines or headaches because I really do care about each one of you guys. And my objective is to be able to cheer you on to your success story. And I believe that most of my clients and community members who struggle with headaches and migraines, you guys are the ones that I have to keep cheering on because I know that for you. I've not, I'm not physically experienced, but I know it is a huge mental hurdle for you that it's, you know, it's already hard to build an online business. We know that. That's why this is called just keep blogging. That's why I encourage you guys to, you know, just keep going, trust the process, all this stuff. For those of you who have some sort of physical thing that almost puts you in a position where it's harder for you, right? Like the thing that you want to do, this job you want to do, this thing that you want to do that would keep you from having to go to a job where, you know, migraines and headaches can be debilitating and frustrating for your career and things like that. You're paving the way for a career that you're in control of so that when these things do come your way, you can deal with them, manage them, and then get back to work. That's, I think that's what all of you guys who are doing this, most of you, that's your heart's desire. And so, and knowing that, like, my heart is to cheer you on as hard as I can, and I am not obviously a medical doctor, and I personally don't deal with migraines, but I, when I saw so much of this uh, discussion going on in my communities about just people really being on the struggle bus, and I know it's defeating. I know that every time you have um, some sort of episode, it just makes it hard because you're trying to do real life in addition to this. And if you're going to make trades, you're always probably going to make trades for real life before you make trades for this. And if you got a headache, it's just one more layer. And so I want you guys who struggle with headaches and migraines to not give up. I want you to see your blogs become successful because I know it is the career. It's all those things that you need it to be because you can do it on your time from home, all these things. So I went on a quest uh, to find an expert who could come on the podcast and just really talk to us about, you know, what they are, how they work. Um, what are the ways of managing them, treating them, preventing them? Um, also, whether it's medication-based or non-medication-based. And he just had some really helpful information, I feel. And so I wanted to have him on the show. Like, I really did a lot of research. I watched a lot of his videos. I read his research and stuff. And he seemed like one of the experts when it comes to headaches that's out there right now. And I was really grateful that he actually responded and said that he would do this. So um, I'm very excited, but like you do, because today we are going to be talking about some medical things. I do want to put a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode to say this uh, podcast, Just Keep Blogging, is going to provide general information. And we're going to have discussions about health and related subjects the information and other content provided in this episode and anything that's linked from here are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice, nor is this information a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. 
If you or any other person has a medical concern, you should consult your healthcare provider or seek other professional medical treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something that you have heard about on this podcast or any of the linked materials. If you think you might have a medical emergency, always call your doctor uh, or emergency services immediately. The opinions and views expressed in this episode or anything linked to it or just keep blogging, Kim Anderson Consulting, have no relation to those of any academic hospital, health practice, or institution. We are just here having an informative conversation that I hope encourages you guys to just keep blogging. So keep that in mind. Don't change anything. Listen to this in an informative way. Talk to your physician. Bottom line. Let's talk to Dr. Gary J. Hello there. I'm super excited to have Dr. Gary W.J., a professor of neurology, division of headache from the University of North Carolina Department of Neurology. Uh, he is an expert in pain management and headache disorders that include migraine with and without aura, chronic daily headaches, tension type headaches, medication overuse headaches, cluster headaches, and more words I don't know how to pronounce. <laughs> Dr. J. found one of the largest headache pain and TBI management clinics in the U.S., he and his team of experts treated over 35,000 patients. His research has been foundational to the progress of clinical research and pain, and he has published five textbooks and more than 120 peer-reviewed journal articles. Did I cover all the things, Dr. Gary? Yes, I think you did, except we're now up to over 170 articles. Nice. So thanks so much for being here, Dr. J. Uh, I reached out to Dr. J because I've had so many people in my community that just struggle with all kinds of headaches from migraines to all kinds of things. And we know that it's a huge problem when you're trying to build an online business and you're suffering um, to the point where you can't do what it is that you're wanting to do as your job. So when I was looking and doing some research, it sounds like 75% of people who experience migraines are women. And I was wondering if you could give us some insight into why that is, uh, Dr. J. Sure. Well, the numbers vary. Uh, another number is 18% of women in the United States have migraine, 6% of men. Okay. There mm -hmm. are over 40 million people diagnosed with migraine. And many people feel that this is about 50% eh, of the migraineurs that are out there. One of the problem is that they don't get appropriate diagnoses. It's not uncommon for a patient of mine to say, you know, I have a headache just like my next door neighbor, Mrs. Jones, and she's, she told me she has migraine. Whether that's physician uh, diagnosed or not, she said she has migraine, it's a severe headache. I have a severe headache, therefore I have migraine because she does. So one of the issues that you run into is people having diagnoses that are not clinically made. Gotcha. Okay, and that's not that anybody's doing anything wrong, it's just typical, it's, it's life, okay? Another important aspect of migraine is that over 80% of migraineurs have a family history of migraine. There is a genetic type of aspect to it where it's about 80 to 84%. The rest may not. Another issue with migraine is you may have migraine in your family, but it may miss a generation or two. So, so when it comes to like the types of headaches that women experience most, you were saying sometimes it's not migraine. So if it's not migraine, what do you feel like are the other things that people are experiencing? 
Well, the issue is migraine is common, but it is not the most common headache. The most okay. common headache is tension type headache. Somebody actually did a study and said over a third of the people, I think it was one third, might've been two thirds, of the people in the world have a tension type or muscle contraction headache in a year. That's a big number. But the point is, um, you had shown me something that you received and shared with me. Yes. Uh, about a woman stating that she's had a headache for a migraine for 35 days. Right. Okay. And the issue is migraine by itself will last 72 hours. Okay. okay. There is something called status migranosis for patients that can't eat or drink because they're so nauseated during that 72 hours and the headache will become prolonged and they'll end up in the emergency department of a hospital. Oh man. Needing, needing IV fluids and sometimes they're inundated, they're not eating, so they'll pass a G-tube, a gastric tube, to give them protein in their stomach, okay? So that but gets really extreme. That's extreme, that, that's mm -hmm. the status migranosis. But your typical migraine, which most everybody gets, will last about 72 hours maximum. Okay. So if people are saying that they've got this like ongoing pain that they experience and it goes on for days and days, you are saying that there's uh, some kind of other thing in the works most likely given that you, it's a 72 hour norm. Yes, basically um, those of you who, were, who used to read about peanuts may remember the Charlie Brown headache where the shoulders go up and the head goes down. And it's a turtle headache. Basically that's tension type or muscle contraction headache. And a patient can start with a migraine, which is extremely painful or can be extremely painful. And that will cause, the pain will cause them to spasm their muscles because they're so tight and their head is dipped in between them so that it can't move because moving the head during a migraine causes increased pain. So hmm. the body does what it can to protect against it. But what happens is after the migraine wears off, it stops. Patients with all that muscle spasm and tension continue to have headache and that's typically tension type headache. So when you have a patient that says, you know, I've had headache every day for 35 days, I believe them, but it's mm -hmm. not necessarily a migraine. It's gotcha. typically tension type or again, muscle contraction type of headache. Can be every day. Um, what kind of things trigger the tension headaches? Well, the just to, to get our, our uh, nomenclature correctly, it's called tension type headache. Okay. And it used to be called muscle contraction headache. Okay. And then you have other aspects of headache that are very common in a patient that has a headache every day be it from tension type or migraine, they will typically take a medication every day, okay. okay? And so you have what is also called medication overuse headache. Medication overuse headache diagnostically uh, is if you're taking more than 10 or so pain pills a month, okay? I've got patients in my practice who go between four and 600 medications a month. Wow. So, I mean, you have people that are 
doing what they feel they have to do to feel better. But the first thing we have to do to help them is to stop the overutilization of medication. Because as long as a patient has medication overuse headache, they will not be able to use a preventative medication for migraine or for tension type headache. Okay, so there are prevention-based medicines out there? Yes, ma'am. Looking at migraine or even tension type, there's two ways to treat a typical headache. The first is abortively. Headache starts uh, with a migraine, you would abort it most commonly with a drug called a triptan, like Imitrex or Sumatriptan or Maxolt or Rizotriptan. Okay, and you can also prevent them or use prophylactic medication. There are four approved, FDA approved medications, one of which can't be given to a woman of childbearing age, but they are typically. Um, Topamax is the most commonly used. That's an anticonvulsant. Then you, it also, by the way, can cause weight loss. You also have verapamil and beta blocker. Verapamil is a calcium channel blocker, and propranolol or Enduror is a beta blocker. So those are the three of the four, the fourth being Depakote or valproic acid, which you can't give because of birth defects. Okay. to a woman of childbearing age, okay? And then now, we also have a different, the new generation, the newest generation are the CGRP receptor antagonists, which are prophylactically large humanized antibodies, which patients will self-inject every 30 days, okay? And typically, before an insurance will say, sure, we'll pay for that, a patient needs to fail two, typically, of the general preventative pain medication, uh, preventative migraine medications, excuse me. Gotcha. Okay. Now, for tension type headache, um, you can abort it with over the counter meds, typically. You can abort it with um, ibuprofen, with Tylenol, with Aleve typical goodies, powders, these things. People use them all the time. And as I said, I had one patient that would buy or used to buy a bottle of 200 ibuprofen and she'd do a, each week, she'd take that bottle. Wow. And so each week she'd start a new bottle. Now the problem of course with non-steroidal anti-inflammatory overutilization is it can cause a gastric ulcer it can also induce kidney damage. Not a good idea. Now, uh, the problem with Tylenol, okay, and unfortunately, um, when Bob Rappaport ran the DAP division of the FDA, he was a gentleman who said, you know, we gotta stop all this uh, Tylenol utilization. And there was an actual study that showed using normal patients, you gave them four grams of Tylenol a day for two weeks, and they'd have liver function problems. They'd oh, increase abnormal enzymes in their liver. Okay. Crazy. So, yeah. one thing that's important to anybody listening to this, because people love to take um, 
the extra strength Tylenol, 500 milligram tablets, you don't want to take more than six a day. Three grams a day should be your maximum. I prefer 2,500 or 2,500 five tablets, but no more certainly than six a day. And even then, it should be only for a couple of days or three days, period. Or you might, over the course of a month, take them for two or three days in a month. But when you have patients that are taking them daily or mm -hmm. alternating them with non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, such as ibuprofen or Aleve or goodies powders, you're going to have problems, not the least of which is medication overuse headache, it increases the number and the severity of headaches. That's fascinating. Because you wouldn't think that would be the case. Like you think, okay, well, I mean, as a normal consumer, like this is supposed to treat pain. So I'll take it to treat the pain and I'll take some more to treat the pain. Uh, right. That's really interesting. So it's a problem that feeds on itself. The more you take, the more headaches you have, the more severe you are, the headaches are, the more medication you're going to take. So the other question I had was, how can people talk to their physicians to make sure that they're kind of getting the proper diagnosis um, for what they do have? Like, do they need to take notes or observations? They need to mark their calendars? Like, are there things they need to take into their physician to help them figure out what's the best course of action for treating what they're dealing with? Okay, that's a very good question. Um, I ask all my patients to try to keep a headache diary, at least initially, okay? A headache diary is a good thing because you would put down, if you're gonna keep it correctly, where is the headache? That's important. What does it feel like? Is the pain throbbing or is it aching? Um, how long does the headache last? Things like this are nice things to bring to the doctor, okay? Uh, you need to know if you have a family history of migraine. You need to know and write down for your doctor what medications are you taking and how frequently. Including the over-the-counter? including the over-the-counter, over but you can develop, there's two types of medication overuse headache. One is the analgesic rebound headache from taking, and I don't want anyone to think that it's only over-the-counter medications, okay? The definition or diagnosis is 10 or, or more pain med tablets over-the-counter in a month, some people go up to 14 or more okay. in a month. But from research done by Begal in the uh, first decade of, of this century, we know that Furacet is a terrible drug for headache, mainly because you only need five Furacet in a month because it's got a barbiturate in it, butalbital. And that five in a month will cause analgesic rebound. Oh, okay. And it's a drug in 41 years of doing this, I've never written. Gotcha. There was 20 years ago or 15 years ago, I thought, gee, we ought to treat everybody with headache with opiates. Well, I never treat headache with opiates because you only need eight opioids a month to get analgesic rebound headache. Okay. And I need to make the other point that, that's very important is patients can take uh, 
may be given. And, you know, I'm not going to stop a patient's opioid if they're being given their opioid for low back pain because mm -hmm. they've had surgery and the doctor feels, all right, this patient needs an opioid for that. Okay, so be it. And I have no qualm or problem with that. The only thing I will add, however, is just because they're taking it for their back doesn't mean it won't cause medication overuse headache too. Gotcha. All right. The problem, therefore, is I see these patients, they're taking daily opioid or furacin or whatever. And again, I tell them after we take a history, because of this, because of the daily opioids, the odds of getting rid of your headaches become much less. Hmm. In other words, um, I'm not here to, to disrupt anything your other physicians are doing for you. You need that done. It's not you know my place to change it. I'm not going to, and I never do. But you need to know if you have analgesic rebound from opioids that you're taking for a bad back, let's say, you know, a, a post-surgery uh, or mm -hmm. one, two, or so on. Um, the odds of a preventative medication working well is limited. Can that improve once you diminish using them? Or are you saying it's kind of just like, like, does it change your brain in some way? Bottom line is migraine does change the brain. Okay. There are areas of gray matter, the cells themselves, along the uh, pain pathways and other parts of the brain in patients with migraine that are diminished. They have atrophy. But not only with migraine, you see the same thing with low back pain, any type of chronic pain. Okay. Now, migraine, remember, is a neurovascular problem. It starts way most people look at it right now, though some people are looking at other things, in the trigeminal nerve or the region of the trigeminal nerve and what's called the trigeminal nucleus caudalis, at least many people think that. And this causes nerve cells to go second and third order nerve cells to go to the meninges, the membrane around the brain. And what happens is they will let, they are found very close to nerves in the meninges. And so the first thing that happens is you have the nerves from the meninges or around the meninges spitting out pain-inducing chemicals. Then you have the blood vessels because of that increasing in size, dilating, and that's what causes the throbbing pain mm. from a migraine. And you have pain-inducing chemicals that are leaching out from the edematous blood vessel. Okay, and then you develop right there a sterile inflammation. And this is one of the things that takes two or three days to stop. Gotcha. Okay, now we know this because Goadsby did some phenomenal work, and we're going back decades when he did the work on Maxol to rise a triptan, and he was able to say that, okay, when you take a triptan, three things will happen. Number one is you'll stop the second and third degree neurons or third order neurons from spitting out pain-inducing chemicals. You'll cause blood vessels that are dilated to constrict 
and therefore stop having pain-inducing chemicals coming out of them. And most importantly, you're stopping the trigeminal nucleus caudalis from the trigeminal nerve from being overactive and causing these neurons to fire inappropriately and causing the migraine. Okay. Other people believe that it may not be there. It may be from the thalamus or other parts of the brain, but there's nothing definitive except we know that what a, what a triptan does are the three things I just told you, and that typically will stop a migraine. If you take the triptan within the first half hour or so of the onset of an aura or a migraine, and I should point out that migraine with typical aura is 20% of migraineurs. The other 80% don't have an aura. And what is and an aura? Not, an aura, is, and that's a great question. An aura is something that occurs for five to 60 minutes prior to the headache, typically. And we used to think that auras were only visual. Patients would see bright flashing lights or they'd have a, a bright large light that would go around and through their visual field, okay? And we now know that a typical aura has three different types. There are visual types of aura with multi multitudes of visual auras. You can see bright, uh, zigzaggedy lines or fortification spectra. You can see bright flash lights. You can see areas of darkness. You can see loss of peripheral vision. Whole number of things can happen during that aura. Then there is a sensory aura where patients can get, let's say, numbness and tingling or paresthesias, like your arm fell asleep if you were lying on it, in an arm, in your face, in your chest, in your back. And most importantly, the third typical aura or third type of typical aura can be speech problems. You're having problems understanding what's said to you or problems finding the words to answer the questions, or you can have cognitive issues. I don't know where I am. I don't, you know, I'm driving and I don't know how to get home and so on. Now, that particularly the latter was frequently felt to be a transient ischemic episode, a small transient stroke that would last for a mini stroke that would last for up to 24 hours. And this would cause that patient to be at the emergency room soonest and have a full workup for stroke. But we now know that this is, can be part of a migranous typical aura. So that's good, except the first time it happens, you still need to work them up for stroke. Okay? Just and once you fair. say, all right, it's not a stroke. All right, so if it happens again, I'm pretty comfortable, okay? Gotcha. So then there are other types of migraine, and this is very important. There are migraine with hemiplegic aura. Hemiplegic aura, the word hemiplegic means half a body. So these patients may wake up and their aura before the migraine starts is weakness on half of their body. And that weakness can last up to 72 hours, the length of the migraine. However, what's important is twofold with that. Number one, you don't need to have weakness in just half your body. If you are weak in just, let's say, your elbow or your grip, your hand, that would still count as hemiplegic migraine. What's bad 
and what you've got to um, be very conscious of, and your doctors should know this, and I'm sure they do, is that you cannot take a triptan if you have a hemiplegic aura. A triptan is a vasoconstrictor, as I told you. But the hemiplegic aura is also secondary to vasoconstriction. So if you have somebody that's already got weakness from vasoconstriction, which means blood vessels in the brain that get small, that are feeding or should be feeding the motor strip, basically, if you take another triptan, you're going, you have the possibility of further constricting that and having a stroke. Hmm. Then there is migraine with brainstem aura, which is from the basilar vertebral artery that feeds the back of the brain. These people can have double vision, they can have vertigo. There's a number of things they can have, and I should point out, it's the only type of migraine that can induce syncope. These patients will have a syncopal episode and fall out. Oh, goodness. Okay, but again, because it's from vasoconstriction, you should not be given a triptan during those gotcha. days. Okay. Now the other, the last thing about an aura that's fascinating to me anyway, is that typically you can have all three of these auras at one time, five to set to 20, uh, 60 minutes prior to the headache. Okay. But you can also have them sequentially. You can have 25 minutes of visual aura, then 40 minutes of sensory aura, then 15 minutes of cognitive aura, and then get your headache. Hmm. So it's all very interesting, and it's not always the same. And that is one of the messages out there. Things are not always the way you think they are. Gotcha. So like you were saying before, just the best thing is to kind of take the notes, like about where it's coming from, how long it's lasting. Um, and it sounds like people should be also documenting what is happening before so they start kind of getting some um, unusual like impairments whether it's uh, the vertigo or whatever they should be writing these things down yes ma'am you are correct okay like if somebody really is on the struggle bus with the migraines or the headaches like do you feel like it's in their best interest to see a neurologist those there are um, headache specialists that are neurologists there are some people uh, that have worked to make, to teach primary care physicians about headaches. They have more than the typical primary care doctor's knowledge of headache. So you want to go to a doctor that is a headache specialist in some way, shape, or form, okay. but somebody that really knows what they're doing, okay? Right. So if somebody's listening to this at this moment, obviously, uh, Dr. Gary J is not your physician, so this is not medical <laughs> advice for you, but you. It's, um, uh, it's important for you guys to at least hear these things and think about these things. And when it comes to what medications you're on and things like that, you know, obviously never change anything unless you talk to your physician. Um, but it may be a good idea for you to go see, like continue to take whatever medication you're on, but go see a headache specialist and see what they have to say. I mean, would you agree with that, Dr. Gary? I would absolutely agree with that. And I'm in no way speaking about anybody medically. This is, I'm just speaking generally about headaches and not for anybody to take what I'm saying and believe that it deals with them. They need to see their doctor 
their PCP, and if their PCP feels, or their primary care physician feels that this is a way for, you know, they don't know enough about it, they will send you, or you may ask to go to a headache specialist. Yep, so I just wanted to throw that in there because, like I said, we're just having a little chat here about <laughs> migraines, and I yep. appreciate you taking the time to talk about it. You had asked in, in one of the emails you brought to me about stress and that yeah. one uh, patient was talking about, you know, when I look at my computer, I'm going to get a headache and so on and so forth. Yeah. Stress is very common as a trigger for tension type headaches and not necessarily migraine. It depends on the specific migraineer. One of the old definitions of stress and headache was if two women have a husband, you know, their husbands have an MI, okay, a myocardial infarction, go to the intensive care unit of the hospital and they meet outside, the woman with tension type headache is going to have a headache right okay. through that. The migranous woman typically will not get a headache until the doctor says, all right, your husband's lived, he's fine, we're going to transfer him out, he's going to go to a general floor. The stress is off that's when they will get their headache. I see. That's really okay. interesting. Now, and that's not definitive for everybody with right. migraine and tension type, but it is commonly seen that way. That's just an interesting uh, example, though, to help people kind of understand sometimes what they're experiencing. So do you feel like there's any non-medication treatments that can like prevent them or help stop them? Okay. That, that's a very, <laughs> very good, good question. First thing, uh, and again, from that patient note that you sent me, uh, and Kim, I, I appreciate that because it's a good place to start from. Um, she, she commented on, you know, just looking at my computer screen will give me a headache. One of the things that's so important is how people do simple things such as have their computer at home. Now, most of us are shut at home. Mm -hmm. and we're working from home and you've got your laptop computer or a desktop computer, there's something called ergonomics, which has nothing to do, but everything that's important to do with headaches. In other words, you want to set your computer up so that it's just at eye level. You don't want to look down at your computer. You don't want to look up at your computer screen. You want to keep it ergonomically so that you're not straining your neck. You're not straining your eyes. You want to keep it close enough. You want to keep it so that you're not having difficulty observing what you need to see and hearing and so on what you need to do if you're having a Zoom chat such as we're having now. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's one thing that's important. Um, diet is important only because some people have triggers. And this is very important. Most common triggers for headache, for migraines specifically, are exogenous estrogen, birth control pills that are estrogenic in nature, okay? Alcohol, and I would say of any type, but many women and men with migraine can drink clear alcohol, gin or vodka that don't have cogeners like you'd see in scotch, which mm -hmm. are things that are coming from the, the keg, if you will. Uh, chocolate, another one. MSG, right, that you'll get from Chinese food frequently. Um, 
other things. There's 143 different foods, substances that can trigger different people. But the things that I mentioned are some of the most common. Some people will get it all the time, but beer, not a good thing. But if you gotcha. want to stick, if you have to stick to alcohol, I tell patients uh, with migraine, you may want to stick to maybe a white wine occasionally, one glass. Otherwise, gotcha. they're going to have a migraine. Okay. That's good to know. Um, what about like blue light blocking glasses? This is like a new thing that everybody's doing. Like, what are your thoughts? I've seen it help some patients. I've seen it hurt some patients. I mean, not hurt them. I've seen it have no effect. What hurts them is the cost. Oh, and gotcha. then it doesn't help them. And then they say, okay. oh my God, I spent money on this. Another thing, if I may, is sure. they, that there's something called date piercings. Okay. And um, just say no. Okay. Just say no. I've not are... seen one that worked, but on the other hand, I've seen one that a date, a date piercing is to put a ring into the cartilaginous part of your ear. Okay. And I had one patient that had an infection and lost most of her ears. Oh, of her ear. Okay. I mean, it didn't affect her hearing, thank God, but she was rather uncomfortable with the fact that part of her ear had to be taken off. So is that like something that they just went to the mall and got done? Or yep. like, do you go yes. to a physician and you get it done? I, typically, it's uh, you go to the mall, you go okay. to people that put uh, metal piercings mm -hmm. in your body. Like tattoo or, yeah, okay. I was just curious if that was like a clinical thing or a... Maybe docs that do that, but okay. I don't know who they are. Gotcha. All right. Um, and I know a lot of people, you know, and you may not, you feel free to comment or not comment on these things, but you know, there's a lot of people who like the chiropractic care aspect. Uh, if you want me to comment, I will just say chiropractic is good for some things and I don't see it particularly good for true migraine. Okay. Uh, massage, like getting your head massaged. Massage, particularly for tension type headaches is a wonderful thing okay okay and one thing that can also be helpful is an arnica type of substance okay arnica is a homeopathic substance that is it's it's not a drug that that you would have to get a prescription for you can buy mm -hmm. it over the counter at cvs or walmart the thing is that arnica gel only goes into the skin, maybe a half a centimeter, okay? But you can rub it on and as part of a massage. There are, there is one form of Arnica that has a chemical called DMSO, which will bring that drug deeper into the muscle and is much better to find. And so that would be something you would use in, you said like in connection with a massage, like could you do it at home, like your own, or would you absolutely? Say Okay. Absolutely. You'd have your wife, your girlfriend, your significant other, whoever wants to do this. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is not something you would pay for. You know, some people okay. feel the only massage is they have to pay for one. Okay. Gotcha. And this is nice if your spouse or your significant other can help you. Um, have you had any people who, you know, have experience with like the, like aromatherapy, how people are doing the diffusers and stuff? Yes, I've had, I have patients that do that. 
And, you know, if it helps, and if you think that it makes you feel better, by all means, it's not going to hurt you. Okay. <laughs> so exercise, good? Does it trigger? Like, what kind of happens with exercise? Interestingly, exercise is good, always, okay? Right. But there is a form of headache that can come. It's called benign exercise headache. And what that, there's cough headache. Okay, primary cough headache. There's different types of headaches that can affect patients. And there are, for those types of headache, there's a very specific form of treatment, but you've got to get it diagnosed correctly. Gotcha. Okay, but some people, there is yeah. a postorgasmic form of headache. Okay. That is the same, in the same ballpark, secondary to increased intracranial pressure as exercise headache or gotcha. cough headache. Okay, and the same drug is used to treat it. That's really interesting. Do you last last question is do you have any helpful advice or tips for the listeners who really want to be able to build these like online businesses? Um, but everything they do is in front of the computer screen. Obviously, you gave us some tips for like putting the screen up, eye level, things like that. Um, but anything else? No, I think that every patient that has the same diagnosis doesn't necessarily have the same treatment, okay? Uh, everything that would bother this patient doesn't necessarily bother another patient. So every patient's an individual and everyone needs to look at what's important to them. If they get headache from doing a certain thing, is there a way to fix that, okay? And that may be different from what another patient who has headache looking at a screen does. So mm -hmm. there are things that, there's nothing universal, okay? Medications, it's not universal. It depends on the patient, depends on their background. So everybody with headache, you wanna take care of them so that you don't find yourself over-utilizing pain meds, over-the-counter or prescription pain meds. But you wanna go talk to people that can help you figure out what you can do and if necessary, give you a totally non-addictive, non-pain medication type of medication to treat chronic tension type or muscle contraction headache. Or the definition of chronic migraine, you can treat that with Botox. But what is chronic migraine? Just so you know, it's a minimum of eight days of vascular or migrainous headache. And the rest of that month or 15 days or more, would be tension type or medication overuse headache. So everybody's different. And that's, I guess, the bottom line. Yeah. As a headache specialist, our job is to figure out what makes you, this patient, different and treat you appropriately. And that's okay. what every patient needs. So one of the best things for people to do is what we talked about before, was just do a lot of observing, keeping track of what's going on. Um, you know, if you, can find a, a doctor in your area that specializes in headaches because this is a reoccurring problem for you and you feel like it's just not improving, like going to see someone, if you're not already seeing someone who specializes in that, might be a good idea and take your journal with you. Um, take the list of medications that you're doing, whether they're prescription or over the counter and just have really uh, detailed conversations with your physician so that they can help get you on the right path towards what works best for you. Seem right?
Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Again, Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate all your time so much, and I hope you have a great afternoon. And you too. Thank you. So for those of you who are listening to this and you're regularly on the struggle bus with your headaches or migraines, I hope that you found it informative and maybe you'll be able to take some of his practical tips and apply them um, as well as talk more intelligently or more um, informed with your own physician that you're working with right now. So thanks again for listening and y'all just keep blogging. <laughs>